This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10 off T E N O F F for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Hey everybody, before we get going, I want to thank our newest Patreon member, Robert Dornenberg. Thank you for joining the team and you're much appreciated. You might ask, what is Patreon? Patreon is a way that you can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month, which will allow you to have access to minimum three, mostly four bonus episodes a month in addition to the regular feed. At level two, $5 a month, you have early access to all Everything Went Black content. And now, Unholy Portland. Hey everyone, it's uh, another Unholy episode and this is part four in our Unholy Portland series. And I hope everyone checked out the first three installments of this uh, impromptu mini-series that we're doing within Everything Went Black. You know, the first part being our exploration of the new Murder Bait record. Part two was the uh, interview with Casey, the singer uh, and founder and guiding creative force. And then the next to following, we had Davey from, uh, from Dry Wedding. And, um, and now we have a sort of deep dive into the musical history of the influential city of Portland, Oregon. And of course, I'm doing that with Ralph. Ralph, how are you? I'm doing excellent, sitting on my balcony, enjoying the sun on a cozy Saturday afternoon. Um, looking forward to this episode because like when I did research on it, I mean, I'm I knew like there's a bunch of music, but I was like, oh fuck, like this, it blew my mind, like how many important bands come from Portland. Yeah, it's like I, I, um, there's definitely a lot of bands, but I have a, you know, I, I sort of uh, ironically, I only have like a short list of bands that I really, really like from Portland. Though I acknowledge, yeah. I acknowledge that there was a lot of influence coming out of that city. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I also have like it's it's just like more more like so like when I like we we like rechecked all my notes like to band to bands. I'm like, okay, so wow, they're from there too. So it's it's incredible like how much music the city produced. And um, I mean, one I think one of the most popular episodes we did was uh, Unholy Minnesota. And when well, we talked about the replacements and Huskadu, and uh, I was like craving to do like an installment of another city, um, and yeah, like that's the perfect timing now to do it with Portland, since uh, yeah, like look at what happened, like when we did that murder bait episode, and I reached out to Casey, and then like we got both both got in touch with Casey, and then through that we got in touch with Davey, and now they're our friends, and uh, these. Two guys are excellent. Their bands are fucking fantastic, and people need to sign them so like they can be out in the world. Someone needs to bring them to Roadburn, and uh, yeah, now um, we're I'm super excited to dive into like the music in Portland that means something to us, like to me and to you and so many people out there. Yeah, totally, man. And uh, you know the, in my opinion, the the kings of. I guess underground or alternative music out of Portland would, in my opinion, be the Wipers. Greg Sage's band, the Wipers. 
Yeah, definitely. One of my favorite bands of all times. Um, super influential on so many things. Kurt Cobain was a huge fan of that and always quoted like that the Wipers are one of the reasons why Nirvana ended up being a three-piece band. Um, <clears throat> I mean, they they perfectly fit our mold of, of like these uh, twang bands, I always call them. I mean, we talked about the Gun Club and we talked about Who's Could Do and The Replacements and X, uh, like, like a bunch of these bands. And the Wipers perfectly fit in there. Um, there's something really special and Greg Sage's like work on the guitar, the vocals, everything is just outstanding. You know, it's funny, like, uh, you know, they formed in 1977 and, um, in some ways the bands that you just mentioned, I, I, I know this is like kind of like a bit of revisionist history because they were part of the punk scene, but yeah. it's almost like American post-punk. You know, if you look at the Wipers, X, you know, um, Gun Club, and maybe even the Cramps, you know, yeah. the same way like Bauhaus is like a post-punk band or Joy Division, they refer to them as like post-punk, I think, but they, they have a uniquely UK British feel to them. The bands that I just mentioned have a uniquely American feel, but I would say that they're, you know, kind of like post-punk in some ways. Yeah. I don't know. What, yeah, do you think, it's like, what do you think of that statement I just made? <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the thing is like it's uh, like with post punk. Post punk can be so much and and like what I think like when you and I talk about post punk, we kind of like think in the same terms. Yeah. But then bands bands like the Talking Heads, they're like also post punk. And they come from like also the CBGB scene and they developed and like they they developed post punk. But I think they're not the same mold. And like people are like bands like Wire or Talking Hats. And so like I like them too. But like I like the darker aspect of shit. And so like the Wipers, they always have this melancholy to their songs. Even in the like they have uplifting songs and they're like like not a super negative band. But there's just something in their songwriting that just like appeals to me. And that is like the same way that Joy Division like got to me and Bauhaus and all these bands. So like whenever I DJ and like uh, I do that sometimes here in the bar in Cologne, it's just like when I when like I, I I float through different genres throughout the night. And when I have my hour of like post-punk shit and then it's always like Joy Division and, and Wipers are close by with bands that I play. Yeah, definitely. They that's that's what I was kind of getting at is that yeah. these are like American bands that apply sort of American musical conventions, but still have that darkness to their sound, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, especially I mean, for me, like I, I um, I'm definitely I love Greg Sage's work, but it all comes down to 1983's "Over the Edge." Like that record for me was like really yeah. special. You know, and, and yeah. I mean, I, I didn't find out about that record until you know the '90s, but um, but that when I when I did discover that record, and coincidentally, I was living in Bellingham, Washington when I found out about them. Um, it just like had such a deep melancholy like vibe to it, you know, and like for me, the anthem of that record was Doomtown, which I think is yeah. kind is kind of a hit for them, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's like again, like I'm, I'm not really surprised about the stuff you just said because it's the same for me. Like, um, 
I found out about them also, I don't know, like when I, yeah, I think it was through like interviews with Kurt Cobain when he was talking, talks about like Killing Joke, Flipper, and he also mentioned the Wipers. And then I was like, okay, like I need to track down CDs back then. And uh, I think I got the, is, is this real CD or even a tape or something? And that must have been, I don't know, like mid 90s. And uh, I liked it. And then I found like a like a CD version of um, of Over the Edge, which I assume was a like a bootleg CD because it didn't have like a proper booklet. Um, but yeah, man. Then then it starts out like uh, with Over the Edge, and then like Doomtown. This this riff, the the way it sounds, everything about this song is so perfect. It's one of their hits, and uh, it's definitely my favorite Wipers song. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to figure out. I'm thinking back to like when I lived in Bellingham, so it was like probably like 1992, maybe. Mm. And um, yeah, it's it that that I always think of Bellingham whenever we talk about the Wipers. You know, Bellingham is yeah. like uh, you know 90 miles north of Seattle. It's right right close to the Canadian border. And uh, when mm. I lived up there. I would go to Seattle to see shows, and I would also go to Vancouver on occasion too, which was fairly close, actually really close. And back then, it was easy to cross the border. You know, it was like I barely had to show any kind of papers, or they just look at your license and you drive in. You know, mm. but um, when I started meeting people in Bellingham, you know, I was a young young guy back then, so uh, I was out all night, you know, hanging out with people, and there was. Tons of places to see live music in Bellingham. The Up and Up Tavern, uh, the 3B. Um, this place called Speedy O Tubs, which was like maybe a three, 300 capacity room. And I saw like the Reverend Horton Heat play there. Like tons of bands came through there. And um, you know, I saw Tad. I saw Screaming Trees. I saw Nirvana there. I saw um, Mud Honey, uh, Melvin's. You know, you name oh, it. Man. Yeah. Oh and, man! Yeah, in small rooms too. You know, very yeah. Like the largest, the largest um, venue was that three hundred cap room that I just mentioned. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was a really cool part of my life. But that's when um, there was a record store called Cellophane Square that was in Bellingham, right near the bus station. And there was also one in Seattle in the the U District. And um, <clears throat> as I met people, and it was really easy to meet people, honestly, because you know. Coming, coming from New York, you know, I, I was very suspicious of strangers and very standoffish. And, you know, I guess not much has really changed, you know, my, the way in my demeanor. <laughs> but when I was, uh, I would go out to shows and I remember I had, I had a green, I bought a Green River t-shirt, which is like, you know, kind of a legendary band. And I remember going to see a show at the Up and Up and just some dude came up to me and he was like, oh, that's a really cool shirt. And they started talking to me and I was like. Oh, man, what's going on here? Is this guy trying to like fucking, you know, it's going to like <laughs> jump me outside or something, you know? I have this like really paranoid <laughs> vibe, you know? And so that's how you get, people were very open back then. So within a matter of time, I had this network of people that I was friendly with and everyone was talking about the Wipers and how they're such a great band and, uh, you know, and there's something that, oh, you never heard the Wipers, you should check them out. You know, and remember back in the early 90s, the 80s, it was hard to find out about things. So this is like a word of mouth discovery for me. And then I went yeah. down to, you know, Cellophane Square and I picked up the uh, 
there was that one greatest hits record that they had that came out um i think after the first incarnation of the band uh disbanded mm-hmm. which i think was like around 89 they broke up and i believe this greatest hits thing came out in the early 90s maybe around their their reformation or you know or it was done in that you know hiatus period or something and that's how i discovered the band and it really fit neatly into what i was really into at the time and the kind of stuff yeah. i was listening to i was like heavily into like you know bauhaus and joy division and really really diving into like the post punk stuff as well as dipping my toe into this the new alternative music stuff that was happening in in the early 90s so that, that's so i always have yeah. like excellent you know memories about discovering the wipers yeah that's like it's 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 it used to be an absolute quality uh, symbol to me like if people knew that band um nowadays it's like they become kind of like a insider hip thing like it is uh it's like kind of the same with another band that we're going to talk about in a bit from portland that all of a sudden like all the metal kids are into them the wipers um yeah yeah really? it's like a lot of yeah yeah they're like it's like the other band even more so i won't spoil it now but like there's like a lot of people that are into the wipers now like that that heard of them through some channels all of a sudden and it's just like yeah so you're in the wiper into the wipers now too and i don't want to be like the posh asshole about this <laughs> but like i'm always happy if like people find out about this but it's so obvious that like it's like this classic joke about like guys talking to girls that wear metal shirts, like, Hey, name three songs of that band. And just like, I, I feel like that asshole, like this dude is like, like so you, you've got a, like a wiper shirt, but you don't know shit about the wipers, which is an asshole move to do. But I think I, I can do it sometimes. And the wipers are just too cool. Um, and, and funny enough, it's like another band that I'm going to talk about influenced like a bunch of bands in the time. Like when we got to know each other, there was this hype going of, of, of like crust punk. And uh, there was one German band called Doomtown. And uh, it was uh, one of the best of these neo crust bands uh, with a lot of like famous personnel from the German hardcore punk scene. Um, and uh, when I like when we played with them with Hellström with my old band, I'm like, so is this a reference to to the Wipers? And they were like, hey, absolutely, of course, man, like the best band. And so it's like a lot of these crust kids back then they were also into the Wipers, like the German crust punks at least. You know? Yeah, that's interesting, you know, because I don't. Um envision greg sage to be like a an overtly crusty sort of guy or political or anything like that you know no i thought i also think like it's like with a lot of these like crust punks of course they need to listen to their owls this this that band um but like some of them are just like yeah, like they hang out in, in squats doing speed, and like then there's like old punk playing. So I assume that's why they uh, why, where they find the wipers or something. Um, I mean it's cool, and it's just like the wipers are just like an it's a, just an outstanding band. So like it's 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 cool to see like how many people can find a liking with them, and that like how much their stuff speaks to them. And getting back to what you were saying earlier is. Um, the what I wanted to add is like the wipers, and when you compare it to uh, X or or the Gun Club um, or the other bands we're going to talk about in a bit, I think the wipers actually sound 
like they sound like an American band, but they have like this heavy psychedelic element that is almost like, um, you know, like Velvet Underground ish sure. almost. Yeah, you I know, can like see that. Yeah, yeah. So like they have more like almost like a British appeal. Also, when you see Greg Sage like in old live videos or photos, you could have been like a British punk that hung out with with the Clash. Um, and I think, like, especially with X and the Gun Club, there's a heavier, heavy Americana vibe going on. And the Wipers don't have that, I think. Yeah, that that's true. That That is what sets them apart, where, like, X and the Gun Club are, are dialing very deeply into, like, American lore within music. Yeah. You know, especially Jeffrey Lee Pierce. Like, he was, like, way into, the like, the blues. You know what I mean? He was, like, yes. a, a blues man, you know? And when yeah. X had more of like a rockabilly country vibe to the, to them and Greg Sage's uh, creative expression. Yeah. It was, was definitely not heavily as heavily into the blues and like country, not, not no country at all, actually. And delving more into maybe that psychedelic velvet underground yeah. territory for sure. Speaking of the X, just as a side note, um, have you heard like the new solo songs of John Doe? I haven't actually. Oh man, like I, I think I put one like the never going like never coming home. Like was the first single from his new album. I put it in the X playlist. And this song, man, this is contender for song of the year. It's so good. And they just he just released a new song yesterday of which features Essevin and also um Shirley Manson of the band Garbage. Oh um, interesting. I ha I haven't heard that yet, but like uh Still, kudos to that, like a small off-topic thing to X. Yeah. Is is the entire John Doe solo record uh, out yet, or is it just singles that are coming out? No, it's it's like I think there's two singles, and the album is coming out sometime soon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I like, didn't realize yeah. that that I, I thought the album yeah. had come out. Then you were telling me about that, but yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, but like uh, something to look forward to. Like re really, like this never coming home. The single, the video, everything's. This is really good stuff and i'm super happy that he's still able to pull off songs and that quality i'm curious to see how good the record will be yeah yeah so yeah it kind of all started uh I, I would say that greg sage put portland oregon on the map for sure you know and, and, yeah. and has a lasting far-reaching influence on alternative music yeah absolutely and um I mean, for, for all you guys out there, uh, Mike and I already did a playlist. And uh, I mean, I went all in this morning. So this playlist has 50 songs now. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's a long, long thing. But there's a lot of good stuff. Like focusing on the main bands that we're going to talk about here. Some, some inside stuff too. But if you haven't uh, heard The Wipers um and you want to get into them or try them out please uh go and check out the first three albums because they're pretty much the best they did and it's uh, is this real youth of america and over the edge and preferably start with over the edge yeah yeah that that's got the uh the single that we were talking about doomtown is on over the yep. edge they All also right. had a song on the uh the over the edge um not over the edge uh river's edge sorry about that 1986, there's a movie that came out called River's Edge. And okay. um, there, it's, it features a young Keanu Reeves, uh, Ioni Sky. And it's uh, kind of like, oh, and also uh, Crispin Glover is in it. And it's a, um, okay. you know, kind of like obscure cult classic in some ways. 
Um, it encapsulates this kind of low life culture uh, mm -hmm. from the eighties. Most of the soundtrack is thrash thrash metal, like Slayer, mm -hmm. and I think Omen has a song in it, things like that. But there's a song from the Land of the uh, Wipers record, Land of the Lost, called "Let Me Know." That is in that oh. soundtrack. Nice, yeah, a little little esoterra there for for you guys. <laughs> All right, which band are we going to do next? Well. My in my particular pantheon of great bands from Portland, Poison Idea comes up next for me personally. And uh, yeah. my the funny thing about Poison Idea is that I you know, I like all their music, but it really it's very narrow. The one record I listen to all the time, and I listen to this record all the time, is Feel the yeah. Darkness from 1990. Yeah. It is their absolute masterpiece and uh, it, it, unbelievable. Like this band is so good and so cool. And like even the stuff they put out on Southern Lord, like years later, still like listen to it. And it's like high quality. Um, I mean, even Metallica, like who are actual connoisseurs of music, which they always showed in cover versions they did. Even they covered uh, Taken by Surprise by uh, Poison Idea. So also very influential band some could say like it's a t-shirt band because a lot of people have that that iconic skull shirt or the feel the darkness shirt but yeah feel the darkness is just one of these records that has like i think it defines something that hasn't been done that way before like metallic punk rock like punk with like metal guitars yeah, yeah definitely man and I, I remember in 1990 when that record came out i was like feel the darkness was like the title like i'd never even really heard them at the time that this record came out like you know you know back then there was no spotify you just kind of like listen to what your friends listen to and that record came out with the album cover and the title and i was like this there's no way that this is not something that i'm gonna completely <laughs> fucking love man you know what i mean yeah so yeah. and of course it starts off a plastic bomb which is like this epic song and it combined like you know it's funny you mentioned metallica you know metallica always had some of the best intros like before the songs like blaze into mm -hmm. you know intensity and this kind of to me structurally reminded me almost of a metallica song plastic bomb with the piano intro yeah. and the you know careening guitar and introduction and then it blasts into this like total aggressive like punk like vibe you know and yeah. incredible lyrics lyrics that explore like just the underbelly of life and society and hopelessness and depression and just the best stuff that you yeah. can imagine you know like that not that it's good to be in the throes of those things but if you're a disaffected like 19 year old kid you know it's perfect for you you know yeah um the funny thing is, like, uh, there's uh, there's like some German metal magazines and some la long-lasting German punk magazines, and I'm not talking about like DIY fanzines, but like actual like magazines that you can buy at the train station, and the one is called Ox, so O X, which is like super super popular, and the other one is called Plastic Bomb. Oh wow. And, uh, yeah, so a uh, little bit of like legacy there because I think Poison Idea again is a band 
primarily like punks will listen to it and cross punks, but also a lot of metal people are into them because I think they're very accessible for metal people because of the sound and the darkness and yeah, the concepts. Yeah, yeah. There's guitar solos and stuff like that. And yeah. now the interesting thing about Poison Idea, and I've had this discussion, um, was like, you know, years and years later, like in 1990, I didn't even know this mu- this other music I'm about to talk about existed. But yeah. in Japan, there was this like um, movement of hardcore punk bands, you know, with like uh, Deathside and uh, Gauze and all these super aggressive yeah. that were actually similar to what Poison Idea was doing on Feel the Darkness, yep. and they were a huge influence on the band because these bands were around in, like, the 80s. And, yeah. uh, you know, just like that super aggressive, metallic, like, punk sound with the guitar solos and the intro. That was, like, a big yeah. thing with bands like uh, Deathside and Paintbox and, you know, all... Who, you know, these are all, these are other, as well, these bands are also T-shirt bands, too. You know, I mean, how many people yeah. do you know have Deathside and Gauze T-shirts? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's again like you can also reference like septic death in that that vein like of being one of these bands that are so iconic in their artwork that a lot of people like give them credit and um, yeah one band we absolutely love and uh, is Integrity and I know Dwid is like way into these Japanese bands and he also is a big fan of Poison Idea so yeah yeah you know Gizm and all that sort of stuff yeah 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 yeah. Um, I have a I have a bold statement and I, I don't know like maybe it's just like it's it's a thought maybe it's a conspiracy theory but um, <laughs> you think you think when, that uh, the Earth is flat and uh, <laughs> you want to uh, prove me differently, man? Prove me differently. <laughs> I'm texting my boy of de- uh, like Stephen Carpenter. Like he he will take he will tell you off, man. Uh, no, it's actually I wanted to talk about the lizard people. You know, like yeah. that's that's my thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. Um, um, do you know that band Misfits? You know, like that punk band that some people know. Oh, the band that has uh, Michael Graves as the singer. You mean? <laughs> <laughs> also a t-shirt band, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean we both like are super into all the stuff Danzig. And um, when Famous Monsters came out, like to me that was the first record I think was with with um, with Graves as a singer. Yeah, and I, I mean, I was obsessed with the misfits for so long and then that record came out i'm like uh what the fuck is this now it's just like okay this is like a couple of bucks it was super cheap it's like oh god the artwork sucks already so bad and i bought the record and it started playing i'm like oh so they're trying to be poison idea now because it has this super chunky guitar tones like i mean Honestly, I think I can play Famous Monsters while riding a car and not throwing it out of the window. It's it's okay. It's not misfits to me, but just like the sound, you know, like the super bassy, meaty kind of guitars that are like are on that record. I'm like, ah, okay, someone tries to be poison that year now. Oh. Yeah, I, I can see that, and, and uh, you know, you know, it's a real a quick aside about the the mid the misfits, the new nu misfits is um. <laughs> I re- a few years ago, I bought, I ordered this book, which was like a, you know, a book about the misfits. And then in the introduction, I read the the preface first before getting into the book. And the guy who wrote it was talking about how when he first got into the misfits, he didn't even realize that Danzig was the singer originally. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I know that book. It's the one where where he talks about that. Like his introduction to the Misfits was the greatest version. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like it blew <laughs> blew my mind. And I was like, oh, so this is why this only got like three stars on Amazon, you know? But <laughs> but um, I mean, at first I was like, I finished the book too. Like I re- like if I start a book, I always read it to the end, even if it's like horrible. I slog through it. You know what I mean? This wasn't horrible. It just was yeah. like. I had to come to grips with the fact that there was a whole generation of people out there whose experience with the misfits is completely different than mine. And I had to acknowledge that, you know? Yeah. 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 And I mean, to this day, like these, these records, uh, I don't know like how many they did. I know famous monsters. And then there was something with psycho, I think, I don't know, like, but people like a lot of people I know are really into them because also that was like kind of an introduction to the misfits for them and then it's like oh where I again can say like i'm i'm happy that i was a ner- music nerd like earlier than like some of my peers because like i found about like i found out about the misfits really early and through them really early through like danzig and sam hain and i mean yeah sam hain is like the i, I mean I always think about like Sam Hain is like the most important Danzig band and then like Danzig and then the Misfits, but like it's, it's, it's a hierarchy thing that's debatable, but like, yeah, I'm yeah. happy that I found them early. Yeah. You, you know, I agree with you about Sam Hain, but, but the, um, yeah. the one, the thing I really appreciated about Danzig in general, and it's funny that we're talking about Danzig on this yeah. like, Portland episode, but you know, as a young kid, the horror, all the horror stuff was like huge. Like that was like when I first started forming my my um, personality. I think that I've always been really, really fascinated and obsessed with like horror and like monsters and you yeah. know dark stuff like that. And growing up, that was always considered like low lowbrow, like kind of things. You know, like you can't express like real ideas through that medium. And I think. Yeah. The Misfits and Samhain, when I was, you know, kid discovering these bands, you know, the Misfits, Samhain, and to some extent, The Damned and Bauhaus were yeah. were bands that used that language to really express deep emotion, you know, yep. and and it didn't have like a, there was nothing funny about what they were doing really. It was just like, especially Samhain, like that to me was like, okay, this is like some serious expression like really deep emotional stuff going on and that's why and that i think set me on the you know set me up to do what i do like creatively i guess you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah super influential and i mean to justify it like let's 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 bridge the gap here i'm pretty sure danzig heard poison a deer before i'm pretty sure danzig played a show in portland at some point and i'm pretty sure that people from portland know who the misfits are so like we're covered we're still okay to have this in our episode now. yeah i imagine danzig probably would be like you know i don't really listen to like new music you know that 1989 or whatever you know if you talk yeah, yeah, to him yeah. it's like, i don't really <laughs> i only listen to like you know johnny cash and stuff and you know roy orbison yeah. but like you know, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I heard of these guys. <laughs> but then he's like, "Yeah, out of Portland, yeah, the Poison idea is good." You know. <laughs> oh, and 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 Danzig was on an episode of Portlandia, that show about Portland. Oh, the so there we go. We, we tie it together. He played a, like a vampire or something. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, a goth on the beach, like a vampire on the beach. Yeah. So um, yeah, okay, we're covered. Like no one, like don't don't downgrade our rating of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, man. So where do we go from here? So like, po like Poison the Jew started in 1980. Uh, the Wipers started in in uh, 1977. So like, they're all, like long lasting old bands. And I mean, Sage is dead, unfortunately. Uh, Pick Champion is dead. Uh, Jerry A just released book. I think, or books, several books. I don't know. Like, but he re like he wrote stuff. Um, a lot of the icons from uh, from Portland are dead by now. So yeah, um, I have another band that I would like to talk about. I don't know. Like, uh, what what have you planned as next? No, or I should I go, go for it. Those, those are my two big ones, really. I mean, for me. All right. Like you know, Good. so you can you can get into whatever you want after this, man. Yeah, another band like I spoke about, like a lot of metal people being into like these non-metal bands now. It's kind of like etiquette to like them. Um, and one of the main bands that a lot of people, especially like the, uh, you know, the, the black metal underground in Germany, is all of a sudden like some like for some years is into Dead Moon now. Um, they're they've been a band that I've been like super into for so many years, and all of a sudden like. Everywhere people are running around with Dead Moon merch, and I mean they've got their T-shirt band now too. Like I mean I wear like merchandise of Dead Moon all the time. Um, the iconic Half Moon skull they have, um, and they're also super influential, and they uh, they they are like called the veterans of Portland in the of the Portland independent rock scene. Um, I don't know. Like, are you are you into Dead Moon? Do you like them? I have a story about Dead Moon. Actually, <laughs> the um, I, I I don't dislike them, but mm -hmm. I, I back in the '90s when I played in Otis, and mm -hmm. you guys out there who are on Patreon know intimately what that band sounds like. Um, we toured Europe <clears throat> with Fetus and Bark Market in uh, in like '95 or something like that, and. On that tour, we played a number of these like festival dates. You know, they, I mean, they weren't festivals like Roadburn or or um, you know, uh, Hellfest or something like that. They were like small festivals. On one, on two of the, there was like three back to back shows like this that had uh, Dead Moon and the Chrome Cranks on it. And um, oh man, the Chrome Cranks I thought were horrible. First of all. I, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's the guy who used to be in Sonic Youth is in that band. And and I'm not a big Sonic Youth fan. I think that they're a kind of smoke and mirrors, mediocre musicians who are stealing ideas from Glenn Branca and Michael Gira. So that's my opinion of, uh, of Sonic Youth. So, um, but Dead Moon were like, oh, that sounds cool. Like they look cool. Like, you know, there's like, they're probably into some like dark, like shit, you know what I mean? But they were okay, you know? And I guess that's my opinion about them was that they were okay. Like I didn't, I never felt compelled to really dive deeply into their catalog mm. after seeing them live. So, yeah. so I don't know, maybe I'm missing out. Yeah. I mean, I put some stuff in the playlist. If you play, like if you play the playlist, maybe some of the hits will speak to you. Mm. And I mean, they're, they're kind of a band that I can see that people are not easily like getting into them. 
because it's so lo-fi what they did. And that was like the whole idea about it. It's just like they try to write things that are as easily done as possible. They were not great musicians. And uh, it's just like it's, it's, it's punk meets country meets garage rock. Like pretty much they sound like the inventors of garage rock, if you want. Um, they have such a cult following and there was just there has been a book released about them which is also available in the states it's like a a super heavy a4 like a bit bigger than a4 even like cardboard box outlet book about that moon with a lot of photos and liner notes and it's it's fucking amazing and it's not expensive so I mean you're a big book fan and maybe that's something you should get and because the story of their band is really interesting um Fred Cole the main guy coming from the Rats a band that he also played in with Sam Henry of the Wipers who then went on to form Napalm Beach another great band from Portland um Fred Cole his wife Tootie Cole and Andrew Loomis um they, they get, like you say, they have an iconic look to them. They have this cool logo. And they, like, first off, when I first saw the name pop up and, like, the artwork for um, In the Graveyard, the first album, I'm like, okay, this is some really dark, like, I, I assume, like, goth rock or something. And it's not a lot like this. It's really bluesy, kind of lo-fi, punkish music. But they're a band that grows so much if you like actually like get into like listening to a record two or three times, these melodies and songs will just stick with you. And they they've been a part of my life for so long and I love them so much. Um, and they have a, a, a huge output. And I mean, the red stuff was like more punkish before that. That's cool. That moon have a big catalog. Then they like kind of these like broke up and and then like fred and 2d started another band called pierced arrows which kind of like sounded again like that moon because that's all they can do um but yeah man they're like they're like this one trick pony but it works really well so what yeah sorry i think i would yeah. appreciate them more now but you know at the time i i just in the context of how my experience them i was like ah you know these guys are all right you know but i yeah. But then uh, over the years, so many people I know really dig them, but I just never felt compelled to dive deeply into their their catalog. Yeah, I think like they sound like a grimy version of X to me. Oh, okay. They have yeah, like that male female vocal thing, and um, I mean they do some covers, but it's just like I mean X are like they can play, you know, and right. Dead Moon always always sound like they like they're like kind of yeah, actually actually they're kind of like Amon Ra. They, they didn't know, like when they started, they didn't know how to play. And they made this their tool of the trade. And Eamon Rod, to this day, they like run around, play like this one chord things, like on one string. Um, but it works. And it's like when, when you buy an Eamon Ra record, you know what you'll get. And that's the same with Dead Moon in a way, but just like in a punk way. So yeah, I, I think you should like t take a dive, like play the songs on the playlist I and like include it. Um, but like I, I, like records like Into the Graveyard, uh, Defiance, and and Nervous Never Changes is they're really good albums. And yeah, Fred Cole, he's he like people in Portland actually like 
I, from what I heard, like they have like a treaty. They want to have like a statue for him because he's such an icon in Portland. That's and kind of I cool, can see, actually. Yeah, it, yeah, it's really like the the love for this band. Like they have such a like outstandingly. I mean, the, as I said, like the Wipers are probably like on a musical level the most influential band. But when it comes to the spirit of the DIY thing and like just like playing by your own rules and that like that's kind of what that moon captivated perfectly and so people want to have a statue of, of fred cole and i can see like a statue like the one of Jimi hendrix in belfast uh not Jimi hendrix uh phil linnett yeah yeah i was um, just going to mention that how they have a statue in belfast to him and it's that's what comes to yeah. mind yeah and that's that's like i i would i would back that i would even donate money to have them build that yeah now, now after this, uh, you know, in another two or three months, you're going to see me with a uh, Dead Moon T-shirt on, dude. And it would be right, right, rightfully so because it's just a fucking lovable band, you know. Like there are these bands you read their story and you think like, ah, eh, kind of assholes, you know. Like I mean, we always wanted to do like an episode on Killing Joke, and whenever I talk to Killing Joke, like to people about Killing Joke, they're like, oh yeah, I'm at Jazz, he's an asshole, <laughs> and blah blah blah, you know. Yeah. And you know, we know like how complicated Michael G. Rise, but like with with that rune, they're just like they do did did what they loved. They like they, they got all in. They lived from doing that. They lived their like punk life way until the end when when Fred died and then Andrew died. And like Tootie now to this day, she she lives off like the merch that she prints and like goes to like these fan fests of that moon and there's like a Facebook group about Dead Moon that people are like so committed and they love her, like love this band so much. And I appreciate that. So that's why I have so much merch of Dead Moon because it's just fucking cool. They're an excellent band and they're totally worth like all the praise. Yeah. So yeah, I should, I should definitely check out Dead Moon. You know, maybe I'll, I'll like them more now. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, there's, uh, these are like, for me, they to me they are like the classics when it comes to Portland. Um, just maybe a, a, a quick thing because I talked about that band Doomtown, which was like this German crust band that had like this one demo tape and LP, which kind of like blew everybody's minds back then when there were these crust bands that all sounded like da 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 Portland's <laughs> own tragedy. Um, I'm a big fan of His Hero Is Gone. I love From Ashes Rise, but they're all like people involved in tragedy too. But like from uh, back then, they were still in Memphis. And uh, I don't know what happened, but like when His Heroes Gone broke up in 99, I think like Todd, Paul, and Yannick, they moved to Portland and started tragedy there with another guy. Um, and yeah, tragedy, like this record vengeance is to, to this day, one of the best and like outstanding crust records when it comes to, yeah, like more metallic American crust. You know, I think you, you like stuff like this too, right? Yeah, I do. Definitely. I, I'm more partial to, uh, his heroes gone because I felt like yeah. that. I felt like his heroes gone stuff was more original and tragedy yeah, to yeah. me, you know, to, to me, just felt like american versions of scandinavian hardcore really you know what i mean yes yeah, yeah, yeah sure yeah 
Yeah, but it's still like that that one. Re- I mean, they have a bu- bunch of records out and splits and shit. But like that one record, Vengeance, and I put like two songs of their of that record on the on the playlist. That's like it's like a pop music record because it's just hit after hit after hit. And the Scandinavian bands like Martyr Judd and, and Skid System, they're like more harsh in a way. Yeah. But yeah, man, High Zero is gone. They, I mean, they have to like they were. They were something else, man. There's just like the, like this German band Acme that are uh, like Jamie put out on Edison Records back then. It has like this metallic edge to it and is more like actual like just crust punk or something like. But yeah, that one tragedy record is cool, and I just wanted to plug them that they're from Portland too. Yeah. Well, speaking of Acme, there there's like that whole little scene of bands from Bremen that are awesome. You know, like Merz, yeah. Merzer and uh, you know uh, Kitzer. <laughs> Um, yeah, sister. Yeah, sister. Well, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't pronounce it as well as you do. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, those bands are all great. Yeah, and it's funny. Like when when I when we played with Gods and Queens, and I like talked to Jamie, and I don't know how we ended up there. And he's like, "Yeah, man, Edison was my label." I'm like, "Really?" So, so you put out Acme and Overcast, and I think even Starkweather or something. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a lot, a lot of stuff came together. Like I think through meeting you or getting to know you, I like met a lot of cool like Juniors and Gods and Queens and Jamie and like all these cool cats, man. And uh, yeah, then it goes full circle when all of a sudden you find out like that this one record by Acme that is still outstandingly good from a German band was put out on an American label by someone who's a friend of yours now. That's actually my favorite period of hardcore is like that nineties version, you know, Yeah. with with those bands you just mentioned, you know, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought those bands were like doing interesting things at the time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was like, unfortunately I was too young back then to actually like appreciate them. Like when I started going to shows, it was like two or three years too late. I mean, I saw Mercer and like I could have seen Zustral, their record Black Smoker. Like if you're talking about like death metal punk, like that's the one record you should listen to. Um, but yeah, man, Acme was too early. And like that Acme record to re- reduce the choir to one soloist still like it's from 95 or 96, I think, and still blows my mind. Yeah, we played with Mercer Tombs. Oh, right. In you Bremen, did, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I remember going, we sh- we showed up at the venue, and I'm looking at the uh, the, the flyer, and it's, it says Merzer is playing. I'm like, what is this, some kind of fucking joke or something like that? So I asked, you know, I, I asked the guy, the promoter, I'm like, what's this all about? Like, you know, they're still active. They were still, to that, at least to the, at that point, we're putting out records still. They, they still do, dude. Yeah. They just played that. Uh, they played their twentieth anniversary show, like, and they still work on new stuff. And the Kaiser singer is in that band now too. Um, I mean, like back in the back in the late nineties or like early two thousands, I think. Um, they even like cooperate. Like they did a comic book. Like they had like a, com- a German comic book, and they wrote the music for the comic book. So you could have like the paperback getting together with a CD of like four exclusive Mercer songs. So. Yeah, I I uh, all I met all those guys at that show. Like the guys from Kai. There's yeah. actually a photograph online somewhere of all everyone together. Like. Mm. Nice. You know, it's it's kind of cool, man. Like, cause like these are bands I loved, and and it was really fun to like you know hang out with everyone and meet people and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, let's getting back to to our uh, city of Portland. Um, I think maybe one old school thing before we maybe go into contemporary things that are cool. Sure. I'm a big fan of Elliot Smith, and even though he's been associated with L.A. most of the times, and he spent like the last part of his life in New York, um, he grew up. He was born in Nebraska, but he grew up in Portland, and he released his first two records um at in the time when he was still in portland and um i'm not like a super big fan of singer songwriter stuff so like i'm i'm big fan of townsman sand and like of course like we talked about roy orbison we all love johnny cash songs ohio is great and um but yeah man elliot smith i really really love that guy like his albums tragic figure uh died of stab wounds to the heart so fitting still not clear if it was murder or suicide um but yeah man like elliot smith is a portlandian too so like that maybe being one of the classics too before we go to contemporary events do you like elliot smith yeah yeah definitely i mean you know i'm, I'm not it's something that i i'm peripherally into you know what i mean like i yeah. have cer certain things you know that are cool that i the stuff i've heard i enjoy um but i don't yeah you know, really delve too deeply into the singer-songwriter genre. Yeah, he's just, I think to me, he's something special because like his lyrics are so good and it's so, I mean, this is so dark and like, and, and just like bleak, like how emotional he was and how sad. And the music seems so fragile, even when he had like a backing band, it's still like fragile, but, but fragile in a good way. Like there are fragile bands where I just think like, ah, no, I can't, I cannot listen to this. But it's just like, there's something about it, man. I don't know. Like that just like so compelling and speaks to me. So yeah, I always like say that like Justin Sullivan of New Model Army and Elliot Smith, they, like they saved my life on a bunch of occasions, just like through their music and their lyrics. Yeah. He was in that band Heat Miser too, prior to uh, his solo singer songwriter uh, career. I think correct. Too, right? Yeah. Yes. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Bunch of newer stuff. What do you have? Well, one of one of like uh, the there's there's a whole a whole array of newer bands, the contemporary bands in Portland that I love. Okay, but I'm going to start off with probably the band that I've been a fan of the longest out of this slew of new bands. And I say new in parentheses because some of these bands have been around for like quite a while at this point. Um, but compared to the Wipers, they're new. <laughs> <laughs> so but the first band I want to talk about is Atriarch, which um, they have a bunch of material out on, on Relapse. And um, just a, another band that's hard to classify because they have like a a doom sort of vibe they've got a black metal feel to them but they also have this like goth post-punk thing going on and uh a number of years ago lenny was actually i had him on as a guest uh on, i remember on that black. Yeah. yeah so you know if you guys want to go back and check out our um our episode we did together you get a little bit more insight into where they're coming from but but yeah just like you know dudes wearing black into like dark stuff man you know and the music yeah. just has this like oppressive like vibe to it as um i'm when i when i started like uh texting back and forth with uh with davy of dry wedding <clears throat> um I, I i always come up with like with uh, also in that episode we did about murder braid i always like think about like good descriptions of bands to because i 
I'm not fan of like categorizing bands for like, oh yeah, this is black metal, this is not black metal. But it's just like I when I listen to this stuff, I wanna um, I think about like, okay, which bands come to mind listening to that? And I have like one for Murder Bait, and I have one for for Dry Wedding. But like when Atriarch, when I first heard about them, and that was when their first EP came out. Um, to me, they sounded like uh, Neurosis trying to play like a Fields of the Nephilim song. I could see that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The, the first stuff I heard from them was um, the split with Alaric, which uh, yeah. features like uh, the vocalist uh, from um, from Dead and Gone, which is a, a, a one of my one of my top twenty favorite bands, actually. Mm. And you know, they're based in San Francisco, so I was more. I was kind of like more interested in them because I knew that the guy from Dead and Gone was in the band. But then I heard the Alaric part and I was like, man, this, oh, the, uh, sorry, the Atriarch part. And I was like, man, this is like really cool. And then I, from then I just went into their whole catalog and um, I ended up meeting those guys uh, through uh, Jeff Wilson from uh, Knock Mystium. And um, yeah, I've been, um, you know, and then uh, Max played drums for, uh, Wolfhammer when we toured mm -hmm. with them so that's you know that's how the camaraderie sort of developed you know and, and uh, but they're just aside from all that they're just a great band and if you're into like just dreary heavy music with like uh, excellent vocals and a lot of atmosphere that's, that's exactly the, how I would describe them yeah perfect what's the drummer's name Max yeah um and i think he's he's the bridge to another like contemporary band and probably one of the most popular bands touring the world making tons of money through merch from portland which is soft kill um they are uh tobias's graves uh, tobias graves other band like it started out as a side project of pleasure grave a band that i treasure very much um but yeah, back then he was uh, heavy into drugs, and he—I mean—he talked about it openly, being a junkie and fucking people out of money to get drugs. So kind of like the Nachtmuseum deal of uh, <laughs> Blake. <laughs> um, yeah, Blake Judd, right? Um, but Softkill was like the side project and turned into a full band now, and they're going had full like full steam, man. They have like a bunch of full lengths out. They constantly release demos of stuff and they're very DIY. Um, and they are like publicly acclaimed stars now, in a way. Like when they 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 brought over chameleons to the states to tour. They brought over Pink Turns Blue to tour. Um, even like Tobias played like with the chameleons for some shows. And uh, I don't know, man. Like they just like developed such a cult following now, and um, everybody around the world seems to love Soft Kill. And I can't argue with them man like i i haven't met these guys and uh but like their records are always good at least good some of them are really great um they work hard relentlessly i can i can dig the work ethic um and they're just one of these bands you know like they did the grind for so long dragging their carcasses out of the mud like literally like he was living on the street as a junkie um and now he's doing good has has kid and like tours this band's successful um great contact to the fans from from what i see and i i love that like that's cool so like soft kill is a band that i definitely like give a shout out to oh. 
Yeah, I recently started checking them out too. I mean, I remember maybe a year ago, uh, they came up next on this when I was listening to um, Apple Music. And mm-hmm. I think I was listening to a Bambara LP and the, 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 the algorithm put a soft kill track next. Dude, it's on Spotify. It's the same fucking thing. I think when everything, whenever you listen to something that's most remotely post-punk, soft kill will be the first stuff they play. So that's like where I saw like, okay, they must must have gotten really big. Though, so that Spotify always plugs them first. Yeah, yeah. And I remember enjoying it, and then uh, talking to different people, the name kept coming up, and and that that's actually one of the reasons why I was like reluctant to really check them out because so many people were like oh yeah you know soft kill i'm like wow how good could they be if everyone likes them you know (laughs) but then yeah yeah but then when you told me about it it that's like someone whose um opinion i really value and that's what maybe dive deeper into their music and and i actually do enjoy what they're doing yeah it's not like it's not it's it's like they they call themselves like sad sad rock at some point because they just say like yeah man we're not post punk we're not goths I mean they look like hip hop kids and they're just like yeah we play music that is like kind of sad and melancholic um, and that's cool like they 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 give a, they don't give a fuck about categories they do what they love and some records they sound like almost indie records then like the newer stuff is again goes more into like what the mission did. And, like they just like go all over the block and just play the music that they actually like in this minute. But it's always like you can always clearly hear it's that kind of music from this band. So it's not like jumping the bandwagon to the next trend. They're just like doing whatever the fuck they want and I appreciate that. Yeah, no, totally. So what else do we have? Well, I, I, since we didn't do a proper episode on Dry Wedding, I think we should talk about them. I mean, we we, yeah, well, we did a murder bait uh, episode, and there was an interview with with Casey. So, um, you know, we're gonna yeah. mention that as a band that I'm like obsessed with. I guess is uh, a way of putting it because I I actually since the 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 incident when we all sort of connected, that's I would say eighty percent of what I've been listening to is murder bait, dry wedding, and another band <laughs> called Shadowland, which connects those two ah. bands. You know, Casey yeah. plays drums in that band, and uh, you know Davey's uh, partner is a guitar player, and Casey's wife is the vocalist, and so it's like this kind of family affair sort of thing. And yep. um, and Shadowlands is just amazing, but we can talk about them later. You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, man, dry wedding. That's like I, I I spoke to like as I said like I I like right back and forth with Davey like a lot. And, um, yeah, it's again, it's like I, I hated so much being stuck in Germany, like <laughs> with all these cool bands and cool people, like somewhere around the globe, but not here. Um, and I, I actually like knew Dry Wedding from their first record, The Long Road, because, um, I, I, I like Davey asked me that, like, how did you find out about that band? And I was like, yeah, there was, um, there was an announced band. I think it was a four AD band called uh, Dry, um, not Dry Wedding, Dry Dry Cleaning, <laughs> and I saw like pictures of them. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I am going to check that out. So I was like half asleep and like typed in Dry on Spotify, <laughs> and it's like, oh, there's there's the band. Like it had two words, and I put put it on. I'm like, that's an odd cover artwork. 
And it's like, wow, this is way darker than I expected it to be. And it's like, oh wait, no, that's another band. That's Dry Wedding. That's what. That's kind of a weird name. But like, it's not dry cleaning. And I was like, but oh, this is fucking cool. So like, I, I was like awake late on a, on a work day. I remember, and I like, I had to play the long road in, in its entirety. I'm like, holy shit, man, what the fuck is this band? This is excellent, and it has so many traits of what I love. And um, so I, I I was listening to this, and then like, yeah, when we started like. <laughs> writing back and forth with Casey and all of a sudden it's like Davey reached out and it's like, yeah, hi, I'm, I'm Davey. I play in that band. And we started talking and he's like, yeah, and we have that record that came out last year. I'm like, really? There was a, like, fuck man. There was a record last year called sway. And dude, I swear to God, if I had known this record last year, it would have made my top five of the year. Well, um, that's how I feel about it too, actually. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. such a great record, you know? It has everything that we're like we're we're into. Like you know, like I mean, you guys out there listening to us babbling about music all the time. It's like Mike and I, we kind of dig a lot of the same stuff. And when I listened to the Long Year Road, I was like, oh yeah, I have to tell Mike about this. But then I was listening to Sway, and it's like it's like three steps forward to them. And um, again, like weird comparison, but to me that sounds like um, how how did I describe that? Uh, I think I said like if if Mighty Spinkter played talk talk songs together with Earth, yeah, I could see so, that. Yeah, yeah. There's um that's actually the new Murder Bait record too. Um, yeah, you know, nostalgia like cancer is that kind of you know it's funny you mentioned Earth because the newest most current modern version of Earth has like this like clean guitar like kind of country like vibe to it. Yeah. And, I, and I can see how that informs maybe the listening experience for both the new Murder Bait record and the new or the latest uh, Dry Wedding records because there yeah. is a little bit of that in the music too. Do you know that band, the Tinder Sticks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, in Necromaniacs, we talked about them because of uh, Trouble Every Day. You know, they, they oh, get okay. the score for that. Mm. They uh, to me like I, I love them. I saw them a bunch of times live, and they're a great band. And they're like this over overly theatrical kind of like in their music. It's like really pompous, but like still down to earth. And to me, Murder Bait is the funeral version of that. Yeah, you know? except I like Casey's vocals way more than the dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I just meant like the way the music floats. You know, like it has yeah. this this just drama and heaviness to it without being actually heavy. Like there's no like hard guitars in there. It's just like it's gloom all the time. Like with both of these bands, Dry Wedding is the more I don't know, like more not poppy, but like it's it's not as. Um, uh, no, it's uh, yeah. If, if, like the one is more doomish in a way. The other more is like that birthday party kind of like spazzy rhythms and yeah. like weird textures. Yeah, yeah. It's more. There's more of a. I, I hesitate to say upbeat vibe. Yeah, dry wedding. Uh, yeah. But the same way the birthday party has like an upbeat quality to it. Not that the music's upbeat itself, but there's like, yeah. you know, the it's more rhythmic in some ways. You know what I mean? Yes. And also. Yep. Um, and da uh, Davey and I talked about this. They, they incorporate all these instruments, man. Like all, like when you listen to Dry Wedding, you hear um, textures in there, and you're not. I wasn't exactly sure how some of those sounds were being made. Mm. And then in the interview with Davey, 
he goes into how how he made all those sounds and it reminded me of the roland howard documentary autoluminescence mm-hmm. where he talked about shaping like feedback by using all these contact mics and things like that so there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of that man and i'm always impressed when people play multiple instruments and they in- incorporate all these different sounds because you know i mean you and i like you know, you know I, I'm, I'm like i'm not that great of a guitar player you know what i mean i'm just kind of like i do what i do you know like i i'm like i think i'm doing okay because i know how to play guitar but if you give me like some other instrument, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with like a dulcimer or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I I kind of like I like to fuck around with like instrument in school because there's a lot of stuff flying around, but it never like made its way onto onto a record so far. But like with the new Ulta, we like played around with soundscapes too, and Andy is like really good at that. But um, yeah, man, listening to Dry Wedding was like, okay, man, like, like the next pro, like next progressive step for Ulta is also like experimenting more with sounds. I mean, I think we've got the the soundscapey thing that Murder Bait has. I think we have that already. But I want to get into like like more textures of different stuff. So um, we'll see about that. I mean, it's been going to be a long time until like another Ulta record, if ever, comes out. But yeah, like these two records, man. Like the new murder bait and the last uh, dry wedding, they are really like pushing me to like I want to I want to write new stuff and I want to be more creative when it comes to that. So that leads us to the band that bridges both of those bands, and that's Shadowlands. And um, you know, I, I soon in the midst of all this stuff, I I bought all their stuff too, man. Like on Bandcamp, <laughs> and um, so just enthralled with that band especially the record uh zero zero three which i'm assuming is their third record and um the song the end and i I actually mentioned this song twice on both uh (laughs) both episodes um it's like julie cruz you know meets like the cure meets like you know just some you know if there was like a, a a senior prom that happens at midnight outside you know that's what it reminds me of just like some you know longing you know it's such a such a good excellent band and um and yeah. yeah like i you know i what immediately comes to mind is julie cruz who does you know from the twin yeah. peaks soundtrack and all that you know a lot of david lynch utilizes her quite a bit so some some of these songs were like i listened to that band and like i mean I, i've known them before they i had them on my radar but ever since like Casey was like, yeah, I play drums in that band. It's like, oh, I need to give us like a more attention now. And I was playing their stuff. I'm like, okay, so finally a band that uh, like incorporates only theater of pain without actually like messing it up, you know? Like yeah. there's 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 this heavy early Christian death vibe going on, and and they do it in a really well executed way. I, I could see that, but without the decadence of uh, of Roz, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. It doesn't have yeah, any of that decadence. Yeah. Like there's this like very pure emotional quality to their music. You know what I mean. Without the cyni- without the cynicism, you know. A- absolutely, great. And um, yeah, I I can't. I I've been listening to to that zero zero three record probably more than anything right now actually. And and you know, in the last few days, like the new Watain came out, the new Napalm Death is out there. Um, you know, prior to that, I was listening to, uh, you know, Tomb for Two by uh, Lebanon Hanover every day. And um, oh. this is like, 
even though this record's a little bit older, it usurped those records. So now it's like part of my like, you know, everyday listening diet, you know, is that zero zero three yeah. by Shadowlands. Yeah, that's uh that for me is what with a dry wedding and the murder bait record. That's like everything I play besides the new two Ryan Adams records. Um and uh it's just like, yeah, this is so cool and um I'm so happy that well I can touch with these guys. And I mean you probably will meet them on that tour, right? Well we made plans because uh I'm gonna be in Portland on this tour and I already notified uh both of those guys, you know, Davey and Casey, and we're gonna we're gonna hang out and um, you know, oh, and get coffee or drink, you know, sort of get get like some uh, lunch or dinner or whatever. And but the um, yeah, it's it's interesting because we're playing San Francisco the night before, and that's a twelve hour drive. But we always do that drive overnight, so I'll be in Portland in the, earlier in the day, so there's not that pressure, you know what I mean? So I'll be able to hang cool. out now, and, and you know get to get to know those guys oh, sweet fantastic and also like portland in itself we haven't talked about the city but like portland's actually like a really interesting and beautiful city that i really like i mean i've been there once on my honeymoon um and uh i mean for me as a vegan that was an absolute dream there because like portland and seattle they're like the vegan spots of the world in a way um, had my first, like, ever since I got, I, like, turned vegan, had my first donut there at, like, Voodoo Donut. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It's, like, one of these classic spots. And um, I, I actually, like, there was this band called Black Hole of Calcutta, which was, like, a grind power violence band. And, like, Planks played with them on one of their tours here. It was a two-piece band. And they're, the drummer, Jesse, plays in Bellwitch now. So he moved to Seattle and he's a drummer for Bellwitch. And Ian, uh, Ian and, his, and, his, uh, and his girlfriend back then, they hosted us. Like when Danny and I were in Portland and they showed us around and took us to these great food places. And um, we met the Graves at, Z's guy, Graves at Z guys back then. And it was just such a cool experience. And I... Uh, Portland seems so far away from where I am right now. And ever since the war started, the prices for flights are just insane and un like unpayable. And like going to the West Coast is even more expensive. So I'll probably be back in Portland when I win the lottery or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I'm interested to see what the city's like after all the stuff that's happened recently, you know, with the riots and, you know, just... Uh you know, this like divide that's going on that we've been talking about off offline yeah. in my country here, the United States. So yeah. yeah, Portland's like a very uh extreme city in some ways, you know. And I mean I like it, you know, it's cool. Like it's um you know, Northwest is a beautiful part of the country, you know, so we'll see yeah. how it is when we go we finally get there. Yeah. And uh yeah, and uh, when you go there, please give both these guys uh a nice handshake from me because I don't think you're a hugger. <laughs> no, uh, I'm definitely a hugger, man. You know, I'm I'm like someone who likes to hug people, you know. But yeah. uh then yeah. give these then give these guys a hug and please like take a picture like you did with Brandon. Shout out to Brandon Legion. Um so I can at least feel incorporated in a bit, like seeing you guys living the life, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean hopefully things, you know, things uh, you know, I, I, as everyone knows, I'm a bit of a pessimist, but I kind of feel like things are starting to turn around a little bit if we don't get annihilated yeah. in a nuclear inferno, that is. But uh, there's always that that grim specter of death 
of nuclear death laying out there. But, uh, you know, if you take that out of the picture and there isn't like a civil war in this country, that's another thing that's, uh, you know, always out there in the wings. Um, if those two things don't happen, I see things turning around in this, in this world. <laughs> well, and hopefully then we'll have more good music coming from great bands out of Portland. Yeah, totally. Oh, we forgot to mention chromatics. Yeah, I I just thought about like, oh, should we should we like uh, do that as well? Like we already mentioned so many bands, but yeah, man, like Chromatics is also like an outstanding band that comes from Portland. Um, totally different from all the stuff we talked about prior, right? Yeah, but they're kind of, they, you know, I could, they I would put them roughly in the same category as like Shadowlands, maybe. Yeah, more electronic, more yeah. sexy in a way. Yes. I mean, they've got that like, that label. Italians do it better, and like that already says everything that incorporate like Italian disco music. All these bands on that roster have like their own unique look, which is all really fitting. Like this pulp seventies kind of thing going on, and the Chromatics. They're like this ele electronic, well, not punk, but electronic band, and they also have like a background. Like I think they're the relations to the Blood Brothers and these kind of band so like the 3-1-G scene right um yeah and um and then also i mean like they appeared in twin peaks in the in the news like in the third season and there we have the connection to julie cruz again so yeah it's uh very interesting music i always love that they open their records with cover versions some of them are in the playlist as well just like such an interesting band from the way it is they portray themselves and like they, they develop like this i don't know like this persona as a band from the looks and everything how they appear which is just outstandingly good and yeah so also another great great band coming from portland yeah, I uh, they they they're connected to that three one G world, you know, GSL yeah. like San Diego yeah. kind of like post emo like whatever you yeah. want to call it. And uh, but yeah, man, the Blood Brothers, I find that band completely unlistenable, man. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but Chromatics, like I was aware of them, but I really really latched onto them during uh, Twin Peaks season, season three, that the first episode. Yep. You know, and um, yeah. that that segue, like the lot, like it was so magical, man. Honestly, I remember staying up late to watch the premiere of that episode, the first episode. Mm. So, you know, I was already tired by the time it yeah. ran its course. And then I'm like, oh, there's going to be a musical guest in each episode. This is so interesting, you know? Yep. And it was like on the heels of like a fan service a little bit, you know, where some of the characters are there and, you know that you haven't seen in in a long time and then that song shadow was like such a beautiful song man you know i have to say yeah absolutely and that's the thing like there's there's this like like beauty and darkness combined in a very unique and beautiful way and that's just like it's 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 beautiful music that's all i, I think like the best thing about to say that it's just like it's beautiful music yeah. by a very very handsome band <laughs> in in the uh the, there's a video for uh shadow and i don't know if you noticed this or not but the guitar player is wearing that that ring with the green gemstone in it oh wow okay no yeah. i didn't know that <laughs> which uh that's for cool. you you uh david lynch uh nerds out there that's that's uh is in firewalk with me yeah yeah one of <laughs> yeah like i 
I, I turn I, I myself like gotten to be a ring guy like not to like stand that I wear like a lot of rings but like I can I can deal with rings and like this is something I really always thought about getting but then a gold ring is really like I don't know pimps wear that <laughs> that would be so sick if you had a, a gold <laughs> you started wearing gold like <laughs> yeah gold chains and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah man you know like i'm i'm all gray now i'm i'm 40 42 and still like i'm rocking hawaiian shirts in the summer maybe gold <laughs> gold is next step you know like my my style icon is max katie and k fear so shout out to de niro for giving me the looks you know <laughs> yeah I, I i've been known to wear a ring i, I got you know like a nice skull ring i got a couple of those you know well i i, I assumed it would be like one of these uh how do they call it, like these be like where you pee people to death with like that's kind of what i expected you <laughs> like the breast knocks or something you know yeah i have like a like one of those like blinged out you know rings that covers all four <laughs> fingers it just says like, <laughs> like power Ew. it says power <laughs> <laughs> and then you get another one that says white no 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 definitely <laughs> not <laughs> um <clears throat> but just uh real quick about <clears throat> excuse me about the um i could see mur i could see murder bait shadowlands and dry wedding would be perfect for one of those musical guests on the third season of twin peaks oh dude absolutely yes 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 yeah but it's the it's again it's the shame i mean ever since we've gotten in touch with these guys I've been working my ass off here to get them a label to release their records. And like all the people are like that I talked to, they're like, oh fuck, this is amazing. But it's already been released, so I can't do it. I'm like, ah, oh. it's like, what the hell, man? It's just like because nobody knows about them. I have the feeling that they're like these this inside thing um that no one knows about. So like like, does it need to be like, okay, I released this brand new record with a single? Just like there must be one label that just like hears this record or these records and says like, okay, this is so fucking good. I can turn around like 300 albums of that. So yeah, if you're out there listening to this and by the time that this airs and I still haven't found a label to them or I decided to go all in and just like start my own fucking label to release these two records, please feel free to hit us up, to hit them up and just release these two fucking records of awesome bands, please. And in the, uh, the interim, definitely go to their respective Bandcamp pages and yes. pur purchase those records just like me yeah. and ralph did purchase them because that means yes. a lot to people in this day and age yeah i ordered physical copies from them and uh yeah and it's not expensive they have like merchandise they have uh their old records on vinyl and uh the excellent 10 inch that murder bait put out two years ago which is on sentient ruin they still have copies of that so please people go go out there check out shadowlands dry wedding and murder bait and like give these people your money because they're deserving and they should continue doing excellent music. Yeah. So do me a favor. Next time you're out there and you're uh, you're you're spending uh, ten dollars on a Budweiser or something like that, you know, um, think about how you could be reappropriating that small ten and put it towards one of these records. So just yes. if you guys could do me that favor. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, that's our Portland episode. <laughs> I think I, I think that we did it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, I, uh, this, when this is aired, I will be out on the road and, um, 
I don't think we have any holds in the schedule, which is good as far as like episodes go. Um, there's a couple of, uh, you know, cool Q and A's that are being, uh, put out there on the Patreon. So if you guys want to get more content, that's a little bit different than what we talk about on the regular show. Definitely sign up for the Patreon and, um, also follow us uh, on, check us out on, on Instagram as well as Facebook. There is a Twitter account, but I never use Twitter because it's a cesspool of ignorance and depravity, which I'm not interested in. Things get things get auto tweeted, so you know those of you out there be like, "Oh, I just saw a tweet from you, Mike. You're full of shit." No, I'm not full of shit. I actively do not engage on Twitter, so yeah. it's an auto tweet. Yeah. Twitter is pretty much like watching the sadness in real life. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot for listening, guys. And some of you I hope to see out there. And uh, definitely feel free to uh, stop by and say hello at these one of these shows. And, um, and I'll talk to you next time. Take care. Yeah.